I would love to see for us to continue to invest in ourselves, to bet on ourselves and create content that puts us in the forefront. I would love to see if we could be less reliant on waiting for a big studio to do the work for us. Welcome back to Strong Asian Lead, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in this week. I hope you're already having a solid week and pumped up for the rest of this week. I know my weeks have been kind of crazy and working hard, doing a few things, juggling one thing after another. And I just want to say that whatever you're doing, you're doing just fine. It's hard to realize that and say that you're you're stressed out, there's a lot of anxiety. Who knows what this new Delta variant is going to look like? Who knows we're going to go back inside? Like all that's scary to me right now too. And you know, we're all trying to get outside and meet with our friends and see new people while we still can. But you know what? Whatever you're doing right now, you're doing the best you can do. And we're all doing the best we can. So just keep plugging away, working on whatever you're you're striving for. A lot of you I've seen on my on my Facebooks and Twitters, everybody's doing really great. So just give yourself some peace. You know, it's stressful. Life is stressful. Stress will just never stop. So but at the same time, you're killing it out there. So please just, you know, take a breath right now. And just enjoy the life we have. Today, we have Henry Ong on the, as our guest today. Henry is an awesome dude. We just chilled, you know, and, and hanged for a good moment on this podcast. But we met on Clubhouse and he was just always just the most modest, cool person just to, you know, be with. He's done a lot. He's worked for Marvel. He's working on new projects that uh, that I'm really proud of him for doing. I haven't even met him for that long, but he's just a really good dude. And he likes to help out and, and uh, mentor people and really give back to the community that he has. So I really appreciate his work. But, you know, I wanted to share and uplift him because some people really need some work. And when you're not when you're working in the backgrounds, because he's in marketing, right? So when you work in the background, I feel like people don't always get that that front face value. And I think it's, you know, he's got a really cool story. So I can't wait for you to hear that. But before we get into that, I just want to say, you know, I want to get back to the whole, this energy and and stress level thing, because I think it affects us all. You know, we want to keep up. We, we want to, we want to hit the Instagrams. We want to hit the Twitters. We, we, we wake up to our phones and that's just not healthy. Uh, I was listening to Jay Shetty this past weekend and, you know, he, he was right. He was just do some things that are for yourself. You know, don't touch your phone when you wake up. I, I did that for the past couple of days and that's changed a lot. Uh, just the focus and quiet in my mind has changed. You know, that's, that's a big key. And I, I stopped taking my phone to everywhere I go in my own house. Cause I don't need it. I don't need it to, uh, let's just be real. I don't take it to the bathroom anymore for the biggest part, <laughs> uh, because I just sit on the toilet for way too long. <laughs> that's getting real here, but you know, this must be real because that's life is real. You know, that's, it's, it, it takes, it sucks up your time, sucks up your energy, sucks up your mental energy. You don't need to be on your phone 24 seven. Not everything has to wait to be right now. Take some time relax, sit in quietness. You don't need to listen to music in the morning. You don't need to watch TV in the morning. You don't need to listen to news. You don't need to listen to your podcast as much as we really want to keep up with to date, see what's going on, you know, make sure we're in, in the know so that we're in the know before somebody else tells us. And so we can tell other people, we don't need that. We don't need that. Just be quiet, have a glass of water, eat something, 
and then drink coffee, don't drink coffee first. I learned that this week too. Just don't drink coffee first because one, it's a, it's, a, it's a diet and food suppressant. Your hunger suppressant. It doesn't want you. You don't want to eat after that. You just want to go straight to work. And for some of us, when you're really stressed, you go straight to work. I do that all the time. I go and say, well, I've got a lot so much to do when I wake up. I'm just going to go straight to it. So I'll just have some coffee because that's what gets me going. And I'll do that. It's not healthy. Don't do that. As much as I don't like to tell people what to do, this is something I will tell people not to do is like, don't, don't do that. It just, you know, today I woke up at seven. <laughs> I, I, I snoozed for another 45 minutes because I just wanted to, and I didn't get too much of a great sleep last night and it was fine. But when I woke up, I was refreshed. I didn't touch my phone. I got up, everything was quiet and, you know, I made some breakfast in the peace and quietness, made some, my oatmeal and made some coffee, took it out to the balcony and got my journal. And I just chilled out for a second. We need that mental meditation moment. You don't, meditation does not have to be quiet, close your eyes, breathing thing, which is good. And I should do that too, but just not consuming information 24 seven. Like it's just not good for us. And there's not enough, there's not all the information that you need to know, right? It's not something that's going to change your life. If you don't listen to your podcast and read up on the next article right away, It'll still be there. And if you miss it, okay. And if it's big enough news, you'll see it later. It's okay. I actually liked what Enzi Zansari did a couple of years ago. He was talking about it. Like he doesn't have, doesn't go on his phone, doesn't have social media and stuff like that. And I think it's really smart. I actually really don't like social media and that stuff. It really, it trips me out and I, it, it's exhausting and anxiety inducing. So that's why I really appreciate uh, our new social media manager, Ira. So that's my uh, early morning uh, intro PSA. So please take care of yourselves. We'll do another PSA later. And now that that's out of the way, I would like to get onto an interview with Henry Ong. So please enjoy the episode and thanks again for tuning in. And here's my interview with Henry Ong. Dude, right on, man. It's so good to have you on and just <laughs> we've tried to put this schedule together for a while. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for jumping on the podcast today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm just glad it worked out because, as you said, we were going back and forth for a while. But yeah, man. Just to catch up with you for a quick second, just to talk about all the stuff that's, I don't know, you've, you've moved, I've moved, a lot of life changes and, you know, making things. And that's a part of this industry, too. It's like we don't have just, it's not just our job. <laughs> we have a whole life to take care of, to... um take care of our mental energy, our physical energy, like all of that needs to flow in. So I think you've, I hope that you've found a nice balance for yourself. You feel, feel good right now. I do. Absolutely. I do. I think uh, the way that I look at it is there's so there's like, you, uh, number one, I don't define myself by the role that I have, right? That some people do, I don't. And in life, we have all these different buckets of responsibility or things we, don't, we need to fill. And one is job right? That for some people gives you purpose. There's also being part of a family, right? Whether I be a son, a husband, uh, fulfilling those those requirements, and as well as taking care of yourself and making sure you're protecting your mental energy and your mental health, especially, especially during this time that we're experiencing right now. But the other bucket that I've been trying to fill too is giving and being of service and being helpful. 
And for me, I've really stepped it up this year, at least in my opinion, of just trying to be, I want to consider myself a leader. Um, it's just more of a person that is standing up to be an example of how to give back. Mm-hmm. And giving feels good. Even though we have like, there's a emotional time and energy and all that. It's like, mm-hmm. honestly, that recharges me as well. Like, I think it's just feels it. right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, I want to introduce you to all, you know, our, our listeners here and anybody who comes on, just like, I, we met on Clubhouse. Uh, I thought it was so uh, easy and so, it's so easygoing. So good, good story. And we had a good chat after a good while, but I feel like most people don't know who you are yet. So, but I'll, I'll introduce you a quick bit. You know, you've worked for Marvel and Disney and great places like that. And you've had a great, amazing story, but I'd like to, uh, for you to introduce yourself you know, where you're calling from, where's your hometown, you know, you don't have to go into everything, but I would love to have people, your, yourself introduce yourself. Yeah, not a problem. My name is Henry Ong, SoCal kid, born and raised, uh, son of uh, Vietnamese immigrants who came to this country escaping a war. Uh, I also a content and brand marketer. And as you said, previously at Marvel and Disney, I am also, I guess, an international uh, keynote speaker, as well as on my personal time, I love to mentor and also volunteer at an AAPI nonprofit. Right. Yeah. And SoCal, what kind of, what area were you you part of? Oh, San Gabriel Valley, uh, the heart of all, where all the Asian people live, right? Um, But I actually, I live in, uh, I grew up in the city of Almani, which I consider at that time, just right at the outskirts of the bubble. So I actually grew up in a more uh, in Hispanic-dominated community. Got it. Rad. And, and you say you were, you were born to parents of uh, immigrants who fled from Vietnam, yes? That's right. Yeah. How do you, you, know, how do you feel about being Vietnamese, uh, parents of immigrants? Like how you find that power in yourself? And what do you find the power in that, your identity? That's a really great question, David. I think... I never really thought of it that way, but let me, let me digest this for a quick minute. Yeah. I think I would say the power I get is to see the resiliency of my parents. You know, they came to this country, uh, not together. They just came with their own families. They didn't meet until they got here and seeing how like my father, for example, who had barely anything and uh, any money and really work his way up, um, to be, you know, even though he's, he, he is a blue collar, uh, worker, but to see how he worked so hard to rebuild his life and he rebuilt it twice. He rebuilt it once escaping Vietnam and being at a refugee camp on an Island near Malaysia. And then from there coming to America two years later, again, restarting in a brand new country, um, in the Midwest and then coming to California just hustling. And, you know, when one of the first things he did, mind you, he's a teenager. He was a teenager at that time. He was like mowing rich people's lawns and was really that, that day labor and just putting in that hustle. And when I look at that, I have no excuse myself, you know, when chips are down and things are tough, I look at what my parents went through and that channels that energy of me to, you know, straighten up my back put my head high and just continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about your mother? What, how what was her story? 
Uh, her story was uh, similar in ways, but she went to Hong Kong and was in Hong Kong for a while and then was finally able to make her way uh, over here through plane. Um, but it's, interestingly enough, my parents had me at a very young, young age. Uh, my mother was 19. My father was uh, 23. So you, you had children raising a baby here. Mm. Uh, and um, actually, I, I was the first one in my family to be born here. So at that time, my dad in his early 20s, he decided once he had me was that, okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing now because he was working at, um, at a drum factory and decided to be a mailman and applied because he, in his mind, he's like, I need to make sure that my family's fed, fed and protected. And, and he needed something that was um, a little bit more, uh, yeah, I'm already losing words because it's a Friday afternoon, just a little bit more permanent. So it was really important for him, you know, to sustain that. So to see that sacrifice of my family in such a young age, you know, that's something that really, I think, sets my foundation of who I am in life and how I react to certain things. Yeah, I feel that same way. Just uh, respecting our elders and where they came from because they've done through all, gone through a lot. And has your relationship with your identity changed over the years? Have you ever felt not Vietnamese enough or resented it? I feel like that's happened to me before. But what about yourself? It's evolved. It's evolved a lot. I think. I think many of us have gone through that journey of trying to understand who we are. For me, I think I've, I've kind of figured it out much later in life, I consider. Uh, but in my, in my teens and in my early 20s, um, it was a huge evolution. I would say at least in my teens, it was very much, uh, I was part of that Asian pride bubble. And I think, quite frankly, I think it was just a mixture of so many different factors of a sense of belonging and finding certain groups that you connect with. But then that Asian pride stuff was, you know, a little bit more militant. And it, it, the, the storyline here is about figuring out your identity, right? Growing up as a kid, my parents chose that I would only speak English. I would never speak a foreign language. So growing up, you felt like, okay, you want to be American. You want to assimilate. You want to you want to feel like you're a part of everyone. And you know, I, I went through high school and going through that situation and then going through college where I was exposed to a wider range of different ethnicities and races and uh, races, races. Um, that was enlightening, you know, and that, and that really was my first foray of really understanding what the world was and what it could be. And being outside of that bubble was uh, a great education for me. Um, I remember that's when I met like, you know, um, Pacific Islanders for the first time and really understanding uh, their culture. So that was really exciting. So going through that evolution was really important for me and then start realizing my worth and my value um, as I went to the workforce and got older and then start understanding, you know, these terms of bamboo ceiling and all that. So really at the end of the day, it was a long journey for me, but now I'm so happy because now that I'm in my thirties, I finally can accept who I am. And I'm proud to say who I am as an Asian American here um, and trying to advocate for our community wherever I can. It's, it's a blessing in disguise in a way from this long journey. And it's very rewarding. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot to identity. 
And when we, when we evolve over time, we see how we've changed and mm-hmm. how we can start to give back to people who might not get it yet or are in the, on the cusp of it. And then once they see it, you're like, yeah, embrace it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I love it. And learning from others and learning from other, other cultures, you know, when, they, when we're here. That's what, that's what uh, part of America's melting pot is, or it's salad, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple months ago, we had our first phone call just to chat and check in. I wanted to see, you know, what, what's Henry up to? What's, what's, who is Henry? But you told me this amazing story of, you know, your early years before, before Disney getting into um, a, little, a little shady trouble. Um, would love to, I think... I think it's really, it would be great for you to share that to the audience because I feel like some of the audience might not want to know the story. There's a couple of different podcasts you've been on, but you know, people who also struggle, who also uh, are in spaces that they don't think they can go into this kind of industry, coming from different backgrounds. Uh, you have such a unique story that I don't hear from very often. So uh, if you would, I would love to, for you to share that story with the audience. Oh, yeah. Happy to, happy to, happy to. Um, I guess it, we'll have to start back to my days in high school. You know, and I think as part of me being um, the first one born in my family, I didn't really have an older sibling that I can look up to that gave me any guidance. So you kind of trial by fire, right, when you're learning through life. And at that time, I wanted a a, a sense of belonging and I ended up gravitating towards some bad apples uh, for a variety of reasons and hung out with them. And then at 17 years old, uh, we were racing on the freeway as young rebellious kids do we're on our way to uh, six flags magic mountain a local amusement park here and about one exit away the car that i was in spun out of control from the slow lane across four lanes and my side hit the concrete divider and i remember my friends telling me that they they stopped traffic and they all thought i died and they, because just the amount of blood that was coming on my head. And when you look at the wreckage, you're like, this is insane. And they, they carried my body across the freeway to the, to the shoulder. And then I find myself waking up in the hospital, uh, not knowing why I was there. And I was all alone. And, you know, when you're 17 years old and you go through that event and not knowing why you were there, it gets kind of, you know, gets a little crazy, it gives you um, perspective. And the first person I saw was um, the lady who handed your meal for the day. She comes through the door and she looks me straight in the eye. And the first word she said to me was, it's so good to see that you're alive. We didn't think you would make it. Those words, David, it changed my life. It, it just permeated through my body, to my brain, to my heart. And I started to realize that I wasn't happy with who I was. I wasn't happy with the group I was hanging out with. And it forced me to start realize that I need to be my best version of myself. And that was the promise I made to myself that day. Uh, But at 17, as you know, it's kind of too late for you to apply yourself at school and try to get yourself into a good college. At that time, um, I've kind of already applied to some community colleges, uh, truthfully at that time, my goal was really just to hang out with my friends and chase girls. And, uh, to make my parents happy, I applied to a local university. I got in and I decided, you know, let me turn lemons to lemonade and just do the best I can with it. So 
Then uh, I went to the university, working multiple jobs, um, really putting you know, my head down and just doing the work and trying to change myself. And long story short, I was lucky enough to get a big break at the Walt Disney Company as an intern, came in and really ran with that opportunity, was able to work there for quite a while, and then was able to make the jump to work at Marvel. So just looking back and taking those sacrifices and doing the work, you know, I'm very lucky to say that it was, it has rewarded me with quite a career. Wow. Yeah. Like, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's a troubling story. You know, it's, it makes me think about driving safely and <laughs> sure, you know, and, and that, in that thing, cause you know, I think some of us get reckless and young and, and do things, but you, you changed it around and you, you saw that. And yeah, I think, I think for me and what my friends have told me is, is, you know, you, you share that I ha- I should share that story, even though um, I'm kind of reluctant many times to do that, but the, I've been encouraged to, because it shows to the younger generation that even when the odds are stacked against you, it's possible that you can change your fate. It's possible that if you put the energy and the hard work, you can do it. And if I can be an example to just inspire one person, you know, to to do to follow their heart and follow their destiny and be them best selves, then I think mission accomplished. I find fulfillment from that. And I think that just ties into my whole thing of like mentoring and helping others and stuff like that. It's been something that I am very passionate about, as you know. Yeah, and and making hard decisions, right? I'm sure you had to make other sacrifices, uh, leave friends you've known for so long, like. Yeah, you know, you you, it's one of those things that you you learn and you read about that sometimes it's lonely at the top. It's a lonely journey, and and going through that, it, it kind of certainly was. You know, I I wanted that fresh start. That was what's really important for me. So it was you know, cutting ties with your old friends and just doing you. And that was definitely a hard, hard few years. But um, for me and my personal experience, just in my case, it was necessary. Otherwise, I'm easily pulled in, you know, going back to my old circle of friends. If I didn't have that focus, I just knew that I would be easily distracted. And I think maybe that's just part of my ADD. But, uh, you know, I think... um, I just appreciate you allowing me to share my story here on your platform. Yeah. And thanks for sharing. I'm, I'm, I'm very honored. So thank you. For sure. Now going to a little more of entertainment and career, you know, being Asian American is such a, you know, I feel like it's, I feel like now it's being more talked about and we're getting into it and we're actually having the conversation within Hollywood, which just has been happening within Asian America circles but not in the wider context and not really being talked publicly. It's always just like within ourselves. But I would love to know, how has your identity helped or hindered your experience working in the industry? Has there ever been a moment that you feel like, you know, I didn't feel good about this because maybe it, maybe they felt I was, they assumed I was this or, you know, or maybe you felt really good. Like they actually saw me and they said, yeah, we need your help because... You know, I'd love to hear something. Yeah, yeah. I think my my experience might be unique to others, but uh, uh, as you know, I was always behind the camera. I was never in front of the camera. I mean, who would want this guy in front of the camera? But 
in my experience, uh, I felt like I was seen. I did feel like I was supported. Uh, granted, I was working for some of the biggest entertainment companies in the world that is mainstream, so it might be just a different environment. But um, I, I always had a voice. I always had the opportunity to speak up and share my ideas. I think that as you continue to climb the ladder and more responsibilities are given to you, for me, I do think it's important to not look at it a lens of uh, uh, through AAPI, but just for minorities in general. And in my work, if there's opportunities for me to influence it, that, that was really important for me. So for example, if I'm working on marketing art and I'm starting to look at the main cast, I wanted to start thinking about how do I elevate the minorities in the cast? You know, do I give them, a, can I give them a bigger size, bigger presence in the poster? I can probably justify it with the storylines for the season and really push for that. And that was really important for me where you can influence it. That's really important. I remember working on podcasts where they would be giving me a list. Here's the wish list of all the talent we want to bring. And then I would pause and go, well, have you, have you thought about this person? You know, they do play a secondary character, but they're key. And let's bring them on because, you know, they might be able to bring a fresh perspective onto things that would be beneficial to the, uh, to the content. So really trying to f- take the lead and think of those things as you're working uh, was to me really important. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point to make is that, you know, even if you're not in front of the camera or even behind the camera, even further behind the camera and like <laughs> in the uh, post development, right. And uh, marketing, like that makes a difference. The representation in the, those circles to to think about the more minority groups and their underrepresented groups to say, Hey, have you thought about this? We can elevate. This is my chance. I feel connected in this way. And how can we make that decision to, push further, do mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And without that perspective, without being, having that lived experience of being underrepresented and trying and focused on helping those under, other underrepresented communities, it's not going to happen. And so I think it's not important. We have representation on the screen and that's great. That helps, especially from a society's point. Mm-hmm. But if, if, even if it's on the screen, if there's no good marketing behind it <laughs> right. and to, to elevate those stories, we're not going to see that. And there's no hero in that. Yeah. I think, I think we, in the world of entertainment and David, you probably would agree with me uh, for good or for bad media shapes perception, right? I'm very cognizant of that. So as a marketer, it is, I do feel it as a, as a marketer and as a minority, it is my duty where I can to influence that in a positive way, you know, and, and give representation. And it's, and you know, when I'm talking to my partners, it's not, I don't really just say we need to get representations by diversity. It's about really positioning it in a strong way where they, it's, it's undeniable that they need to do it. (laughs) Right. And it, Mm -hmm. it feels natural, feels subtle, but it's about just being proactive and having that voice in the room and saying that and enacting that change versus just, doing the work and not thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I feel like often Asian Americans are the only, the only Asian in the room. Sometimes the only person of color in the room. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever felt, especially even in these, these big areas, you don't have to name any specific, any, any ones, but you know, have you ever felt that uh, being the only Asian in the room 
not hinders, but gets glossed over and just, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it never comes up and then we start to forget or has it, or, or have you had the exact, uh, the opposite experience where because you were the only Asian in the room, you were able to, you know, have an influence when somebody was talking about an Asian thing. Oh yeah. That's interesting. That's a great question. I would say in my own personal experience, it was very much, I felt like there, I can think of examples where I felt like I did have a voice in the room because I was Asian American. And I, I can give an example where we're, we were working on a marketing asset with a partner and they just sent, sent me the video and it's like, Oh, it's, it's a Caucasian man teaching people how to create uh, an authentic Chinese dish. And I watched it and I was like, well, First problem was um, this should have been brought up much earlier in the process because the way that I looked at it was when I was looking, talking to my partner was if you brought me in earlier, we wouldn't have been able to get this at a really good place. However, you kind of shared it when it was already baked, it was already filmed, and here it is. And I was very adamant that I felt that that was going to be insulting to the community. and. I actually stood up and voiced it amongst the room. And even though they didn't understand it, they didn't understand it. Um, I voiced it and I said, this is actually unacceptable. <laughs> you, you, it, the reaction to this could be very, very bad. And um, as a person who, you know, I, as a person who's not represents, but is part of the community, I can at least tell you, I find this offen offensive. And it's not, it, and on top of that, when you, when I looked at the video, the dish is not even authentic. Like when it's it was position authentic, and you watched it, and you're like, it's so way off the mark wow. that that's what's even worse, right? You would yeah. you I would have had hope that it was going to be right, you know, it was accurate, but it wasn't. So at the end of the day, though, when I voiced it and gave my reason, I was supported. Everyone backed me up, and the video never saw the day of light. So it was just something of you know standing up and, and really voicing your opinion where, where, where it does matter. And that was really important for me. I felt like that, that was not an asset that I wanted to see to represent the company I was working with at that time. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Like just, just, just hear that and that you stood up and you actually responded and do that. I feel like, I, f I feel like that's rare. You, you feel like that's a, a common thing that actually people do listen, or do you feel like that's, that was maybe a, not a one-time instance for yourself, but do you do you feel like that's common? For I certainly didn't feel like it was a one-time instance. I think for me, maybe in just in my case, I was able to build that credibility within the company mm. and within mm -hmm. my team, and they had that level of trust. And um, certainly, that was that was my experience. Also, I am very opinionated and vocal, so maybe I'm just a little bit different from others in the community. But it was just something that I've learned really quickly that that's how you survive in a cor corporate world. Mm -hmm. And being vocal though, is not about being aggressive. You don't need to be aggressive. Not at all. I think you can still be confident and deliver your message with tact. And that's something that I've, I think I figured out what worked for me and I was able to use that, I guess, quote unquote, superpower in my experience in my career. Wow. Yeah. I think that's, um, 
it's a lesson for everybody to take home, right? It's just like <laughs> speak up, but also understand your your position, understand how to have that tact. Because I think I've I've definitely come off really hot and crazy sometimes, but like to know understand like the way you want to have that impact on other people, to have them see your side from it. You can't just come in with guns guns a blazing. You gotta give it a little <laughs> in that same way. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I would hear advice given and I can I certainly understand the merit of the advice, right? Because it just addresses a larger thing where in the API community the stereotype is where we're timid. And you would hear the advice of like, we need to speak up, we need to be confident, you need to be aggressive. And I'm like, look, you know, I get the point of a, a lot of that advice, but sometimes you're too aggressive, you turn off people. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a position where you're either in a C-suite or a top, that makes it very difficult for you to, to be successful at your job when, when people are turned off by you. And at least in my world in the entertainment industry, a, a lot of my successes is due to the quality of the relationships I was able to build during my time there. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a great professional advice from people. Yeah. <laughs> And we're going to take a quick break for a PSA. Today, I want to talk about healthy eating habits. You know, it's really important that we eat, not only for our body's health, but for our mental health. You know, this past couple of weeks, I've been trying to get uh, back into shape, which has been going okay. I've just really been working on my dietary habits. I cut out sugar a long time ago, and that's been great. I actually don't miss sugar. I miss a little bit of chocolate, and I have like dark chocolate every once in a while, but I really just needed a, a diet that I could look at and focus on. Uh, I'm a pescatarian, so I almost only just eat fish. Sometimes I'll eat chicken, but no red meats. Not only is it good for the environment, but it's also just good for your body not to have so much red meat in my life. But really just eating in general. I had my share of not eating. I will often, again, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, like I'll wake up in the morning, go get some coffee and just go straight to work. There's a lot for me to do all the time. And I just want to get it done. But it's not healthy not to eat. Sometimes I won't eat until noon. So recently this past week, I've been eating uh, oatmeal every morning. Uh, I was going on YouTube and finding some uh, healthy eating habits for working out. And one of the things that he was saying was uh, oatmeal. Oatmeal in the morning. It's good for your fiber. It, It stays in your stomach in a long time so you're not hungry all day. Quick recipe is just some almond milk or oatmeal whatever kind of milk you enjoy boil that up put some cinnamon in there a pinch of salt Uh, i cut up apples and just put them in there while they're boiling right the apples will stay nice and crispy almost turn like an apple pie and then i put like a cup cup of oats in there so it's about one cup of oats maybe one cup and a half of milk that's how i like it you can adjust for yourself and then uh, i actually use raisins and uh bananas a half a banana on top of it that's been my morning breakfast for the past week, like every day. I actually don't, you know, it's not boring to me, actually. I thought I'd get really bored of it and stuff like that. But really, that's the first thing I would do in the morning. It's my morning routine now. You know, I just want people to eat something because not only does eating help you last around the day, but you'll feel less stressed, which then you'll and you'll be more focused on what your work is doing. And then what you'll do is not make mistakes, which then if you have to work with somebody else, they're not stressed because you're making mistakes. You'll make less mistakes and fewer mistakes. 
and uh, you'll be more focused and uh, attuned to what they're looking for and work better with people instead of being super stressed, making mistakes, getting them stressed, which makes you stress. It's just a cyclical thing. So please eat, please eat. I mean, you know, again, I don't like telling people, you know, how to run their lives, but eating is really essential. Eating and water, you know, don't just drink coffee. <laughs> like I'm just drinking coffee right now, but like I will have water. And I think the best thing to do also is to drink water right when you wake up. Uh, if you've ever um, woken up really tired and groggy and stuff like that, if you just drink a glass of water the first thing, you'll feel refreshed. You'll feel in the back of your eyes like you just feel good about it. So that's my quick PSA. I won't take any longer, but thanks for listening. And let's go back to the interview with Henry Ong. Tell me about your uh, your, your mentorship and, and programs in this way. What, what Who are you mentoring? What are you mentoring them on? You know, and why do you find it important to take on this, this huge Herculean task? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it goes circles back to my point of didn't really having an older sibling. I didn't have a mentor growing up. I really didn't even have a mentor until I started working. And I thought it was really important to give back some shape, way or form. I think that's part of the reason why that led to me to being a public speaker, even though I hate hearing the sound of my voice, but it was, it was, Due to um, a meeting with one of my friends and I was telling her, hey, I got invited to South Korea to speak at a marketing conference and I don't know if I really want to go. And then she told me, how dare you, Henry? People like us rarely get the invitation to stand on stage and share our journey, share our story and share our thoughts to be a thought leader. And you have the opportunity right here in your hands. And if you can just be an example for our community and help inspire that one individual. And that goes back to our earlier conversation. You're, you're doing good things. And that's kind of why I stepped into that is because I, I, she was the one who motivated me to do all those kind of things. Cause I thought that was really important. I think back to your thing about mentorship. I, um, in last year during the spring, I saw, I saw, I wouldn't say disturbing posts, but I saw posts where you you knew it was, the pandemic was really tough on a lot of our people, um, especially those who are graduating to a very tough job market. Uh, well, I would say non-existent job market. And I felt that it was really important to support them in some shape, way, or form. So I actually offered my Calendly link and just posted it up on there and said, hey, any students of color, if you need someone to talk to, and you need a mentor, like hit me up. There's no cold messaging on LinkedIn or anything like that. And any need of flattery, I think just getting to the point of, if you need help, let me know and click this link. Well, the reaction was overwhelming. And uh, if my count is right, I had about 80 students that I mentored last year, you know, having those conversations and listening to them of where they wanted to go and try to give my best advice. and. As we head towards 2021, I wanted to find a way to either match that number or even be a, a bigger contributor. Uh, right now, I'm mentoring, um, I could say at least uh, one individual from Mexico, this college student from Mexico who had big dreams of, of working in the entertainment industry. So I'm mentoring her right now. I continue to mentor. Um, actually, I'm part of this Adweek Rising Mentor Program and mentoring some up and coming marketers who've been in the game for a little bit 
who spent a few years, but now is trying to move up and, and I'm helping them. But I've also stepped up volunteering at a nonprofit to see if I can spend that energy and try to help uh, at, at a bigger level, right? And, and that's been really good too. So I think a lot of that has already been eating my time on top of my day job. So I, I but I feel very blessed to have this opportunity. And like we talked about before, I feel energized every time I talk to them. So it's been good. Yeah, no, I think that, and I thank you for that work. I know it's, it's not a, I'm sure it's thanked by the students, but thank you for, you know, helping the next generation, you know, get, get their, get their feet on, you know, it's really hard, especially as people of color and children just trying to get, get their feet wet, especially entertainment, you know, when their parents aren't always supportive, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, the schools aren't always, uh, super helpful. Like they just get you some theory, nothing like a real job. So like to get to get them and mentor that, thank you. Uh, oh, that's very sure. nice of you, man. Thank you. Yeah, and and what are you? You're teaching, you're mentoring them in in what? Is it professionalism in the job? Is it? Uh, yeah, tell me. Like, what would you say if I was a student? Like, what would you teach me? I really cater to them. I don't. I don't come off um, from a place of like this is what I think needs to happen. I think mm-hmm. there isn't a set curriculum. It's really taking the time to listen to each every individual. And listen to their needs and wants and desires. And sometimes it's about uh, relationship management and building. Sometimes it's talking about redefining their North Star and figuring out what they want to do in life. Sometimes it's talking about protecting their mental health and giving them my opinion of how I do it, you know, while you're working in the entertainment industry. So it's a variety of topics, but really at the end of the day, it, I can't say there's one that stands out. It's just more about catering to their personal needs. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious in your mentorship and you know, the, the people who come to see you, you know, the Asian Americans who, who, who join and, and talk with you, are you seeing a common theme uh, somewhere that someone's saying, you know, I can't, I don't feel like maybe an imposter syndrome or something. Like, is there something that you see uh, common and that you see, maybe you see your, yourself in at some point? Oh yeah, most definitely. I think the, the the common threads I have is how do you convert yourself from an introvert to born of an extrovert? How do you build relationships with people? Because it's, not, it's a lot of it are soft skills you just don't learn at school. And you could be super book smart, but it's not something that you learn from a curriculum. You learn from trial and error and just putting yourself out there and talking to people. Those are really common things. And then I would say just for 2020, especially – a lot of it was mental health. You know, I, I can look towards my parents, as we talked about earlier, as inspiration of going, I have no excuse to, to p- power through the difficult times. Um, but not everyone has the same examples to, that they can use at their life to leverage. So, you know, talking about how it's okay to, get, to give yourself permission to take a break. It's okay mm-hmm. to give your permission that you don't know all the answers right now. It's okay. And the biggest thing I would, I would share with them is, and the way, this is the way I look at it, is that everyone run, runs their own race at their own pace. It's not a competition. We, sometimes we get so stuck up at comp- like comparing ourselves to others, right? Oh, we're the same age, but they did so many great things. And what I tell them is, you know, you may not have made the same life decisions as they did. You may have not met the same people that they did, 
So that may have led to open different doors, but you have your own race to run. And it's about focusing on yourself and what you want to do and just getting there, you know, and start focusing more on the end goal and the finish line versus comparing yourself how far behind you are to others. Because that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. That doesn't do anything other than bring negative energy. So, you know, that's that's the way I look at things. Yeah. And we all start from different places too, mm-hmm. right? And you can't compare that. And even someone who's, you might think you're a little more than, like they came from a different spot too. Mm-hmm. They had other struggles. Maybe they had to take up a second job to help their family do things mm-hmm. that I didn't have. Like I, I understand my privilege. I grew up in a generally suburban, suburban household. My mother's white. We kind of like, uh, we had just this sense of like, things are generally okay. It feels like America. Um, but you know, I, you can't, I even can't compare myself to people. I still compare myself, but I need to not, um, people are doing more, but I also know other people struggle in a lot of different things. And I can't assume that they're in the same position because they have to do more, do less. There's always, everybody is different. Everybody comes from a different story, a uh, different background. We have to not only respect that, but acknowledge that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody has their own time and, you know, champion it when they they get something right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what what do you see in uh, Asian America in the entertainment industry in general um, that you would like to change? Uh, that you would like to see in in this new era? In this new this? I feel like we're now. We're, I feel like jobs are starting to open up again. LA's opening yeah. up again. Um, what do you want to see? change for good and be the next thing. Also, what things do you want to see not come back? Um, would love to see where, where your, where your mind's at here. Wow. I think for me, my first thing, my first answer would be, would love to see more Asian Americans in entertainment marketing. That would be really cool. I think that would be my, my first, my first thing I would have come front of mind. I like to see if we can, you know, given where we are right now, I would love to see for us to continue to invest in ourselves, to bet on ourselves and create content that puts us in the forefront. And I, I, I would love to see if we could be less reliant on waiting for a big studio to do the work for us. It's still important to see the diversity from that end, but I love for us to bet on ourselves and put that energy in trying to create projects that puts us puts us out there. And we have. I'm not saying it's not happening, but I would love to see more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've been in rooms where we hear actors and actresses, and they're talking about we're not getting those opportunities. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, why don't we just create the opportunities for ourselves? Why are we waiting for others to save us? Let's let's do it. You know, we have the access. You're talking to now we have so many Asian American advocates in, in our community that are not only strong voices, but also certainly, you know, have the funds to help support, you know, who are interested in building these stories, who are interested in that. So it's like, how do we just connect with one another, you know, and and start crafting these big projects that would really spotlight us in the way we wanted to be spotlighted versus waiting for others to do it for us. Yeah. I, 
Totally agree. And how do you see marketing, Asian, Asian Americans in marketing positions to support that? Because I feel like, you know, we have the writers, the directors, the actors who are going to do that. But in the marketing, I feel like that's a really important role. Because if you, like I always say, like if you had a million dollars for a Mark Wahlberg film or something, but you had no budget for marketing, no one's going to see that. It's just because no one hears about it. Mm-hmm. What do you see? You know, you said you wanted more agents, agents in marketing positions. Mm-hmm. How do you see that working in that, that next goal? Yeah, I see it as something I've talked about it before earlier, which was take it upon your responsibility of looking at a lens of, of representation and how do you support that and what you do, right? And it goes back to when you're looking at marketing concepts, when you're looking at ideas, how do you plus it up? by featuring the minorities um, in a bigger way and having that conversation to me, having that conversation just to have the conversation and to start thinking that way, I think is already moving the needle, you know, because it's funny. Sometimes you would hear like when you think about what's been happening recently, I start seeing on LinkedIn where you have a lot of executives who say, no more. No more am I going to sit down and not say anything. I will be vocal. And then it makes me think, well, what have you been doing if you weren't like now now it's like, you know, you're not vocal. You're vocal now, which is great. You understand that now. But it's also like I would love to just start pushing you more to start thinking about, well, now fold that into your work life. And how do you influence the work that you do to incorporate that? That would be great. Yeah. And, and taking it Back to your other example, too, when you had to talk about the video with the Caucasian dude making Asian food. Now, you, you brought that video afterwards. What would someone in the marketing position have to do to talk about it before? I feel like marketing people think afterwards, right? It's, you get the show, you get the product, and then you market it. I think that's like, like, that's like the more common thing to think about when I know it's not true. The thing is, you start the marketing early in the beginning process, right? Oh, you absolutely do. Yeah. Like in my experience, it was, you're coming from ideation to execution. So if that, for that example, for that kind of video, it must have had, you know, an outline, right? Of saying what was going to happen. And when you can fold in people like me early in the process, it's about workshopping the idea. It's like, how do I make this idea work for the needs of the, the partner? But how do I also at the same time make sure that, it makes sense, but also is respectful uh, in what I was trying to achieve. And, you know, if I was, if I was there earlier in the process, we would have caught that, right. We probably would have looked at options of like, what was the wording? What would the phrasing be? Maybe it isn't making an authentic dish. Maybe it's literally being inspired by, mm-hmm. right. So then you're mm-hmm. making it less, you know, because I think that's a trigger word when you hear authentic and it's not, <laughs> but if you said inspired by, or it's a fusion I think people were like, okay, I get it. You know, fusion, fusion, fusion food exists. It's all over the place. We've seen it fine. You know, or we would have looked at, maybe we just look at a different chef who was Asian, you know, and swapping that out and making sure like, you know, it, it, it comes across a little more accurate to what it is. But yeah, I think what it is, is, is being early in the process is important. And in the world of marketing that I'm in, you got to be proactive. It's not a reactive thing. You're proactively mm-hmm. thinking about things. Yeah. And, and what would you say to um, these studios and, and advertisement companies who you know are looking f- 
looking for, you know, more diversity in their, in their advertisements, more authentic voices to build that, but don't know where to start, where, what would you say to them and why, why it's important to have those if they're hesitant? I think that we've learned that we've learned this across the board. It doesn't necessarily mean just as just for marketing, but bringing diverse people from different backgrounds can give you fresh perspective at things that you probably wouldn't have th- thought about before. And I encourage companies and brands, if they're not diverse, start looking into it and start hiring those, those people from outside, from, from outside your typical bubble of what you're used to to hear those fresh voices because they could bring a lot of great value to the organization and really support you guys in big ways, especially if, if the, the intent is to appeal to, to people of color. Right. I think that it, we see this and you see how so many large organizations have specific teams that are multicultural marketing. It's a thing, you know, and that's important. And I'm so happy to see that, but to, you to see that more, widely adopted across the industry would be a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's the next thing. We're going to start to see more companies who have, have that. And we're going to see the difference in what's coming into our advertisements, our banners, our, uh, you know, billboards and all of that. Cause you know, or or where it's being put. I always say it's where you put in and what language. I think that's important too. Yeah. And if they can't afford to, you know, hire a permanent team to come on board, hiring a consultant. All I would say is seek, seek for advice, seek for the help versus doing it on your own would be my point. Yeah. Don't, don't assume, (laughs) you know, as we start to wrap up here a little bit, what advice would you give to the next generation of Asian Americans entertainment? Ooh, uh, for those who are interested in entertainment, I think don't let your your parents' stale career advice force you uh, to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I think follow your heart, do what you want to do. I think that's really important. Know what you want to do. I think do your homework. I think I've met a lot of Asian Americans like, I want to be in entertainment. I want to be in marketing. And then the, my first question back to them is like, oh, so what facet of marketing are you interested in? And they'll be like, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> and that's totally fine. And I'm like, do your homework and put yourself out there and ask the, ask the right questions. I think that that's really important. And um, don't be afraid to seek mentors that can help grow you. And um, I think if you just start that, start there, that will do wonders in your career. And definitely last thing, last but not least, is, is think about developing your soft skills. That's critically mm-hmm. important just because for the majority of not majority, but a lot of people in our community, we're introverts, whether it be because of our culture and how we're taught and how we were raised. But if we can figure out how to break through and find your voice, that's going to, that's going to definitely get you far in the industry. Well, jumping off that, what would be some advice uh, to, to develop those soft skills? I think it's easy to say, be confident or don't do that or do this, but what what's something that people can take away that they can say oh, I can I can I can do that? Well, I'll tell you how I went through it. I did. Uh, I worked in the restaurant industry and, and fast food and retail. So customer service there, you see the worst in people, and you're going to learn how to how to you're going to learn how to talk to people. I think putting yourself in those kind of situations, for, I think that's the fastest way for you to learn. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the way how I picked it up. 
that's honestly great advice. Um, I, I remember my, one of my first jobs was working at Starbucks. I worked well, there for like three years. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you just learn how people, other people would treat you <laughs> right. um, and how you want to be treated. And then you go to say, oh, uh, this is how I want other people to treat me. This is how right. I will treat other people. And, you know, my plug here is that, you know, I think that you, you can't, you shouldn't be able to have a driver's license until you can, <laughs> you have a, a year job at a customer service. <laughs> right. I like that. <laughs> I like that perspective. That's a good one. Right. <laughs> Um, and last thing, what, you know, what's next for Henry? What are you, what are you doing next? I know you just got a new job, but you know, what, what's, what's good. Yeah. What's next for me? I think, um, this is where I'm a little different from others. I've learned in life that instead of chasing title, I chase fulfillment. And because I have an unquenchable curiosity, I kind of just look at opportunities, whenever opportunities come my way that I find interesting and I know I can bring a great impact and I find it challenging and I'm going to grow, you know, they're the ones that tend to attract me and I gravitate towards. So the answer is I hope I can continue being a marketer and hope that I can do great things because at the end day, I just want to be able to be an example to energize future Asian Americans to join marketing. And that will be exciting. And hopefully Hopefully I can accomplish that mission as I, as I get older and get hopefully wiser. Well, you're well along your way. And I, yeah, <laughs> thank just you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. And, uh, you know, it, I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Like we had our, our quick call and our couple of clubhouses, but you know, getting real depth of, um, what you're doing and how you perceive life. I just appreciate your time. Of course, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. And and where can people find you and your handles and and get in touch with you? Oh, the plug. Yeah. Okay. So gotta plug myself. So if if you're interested in listening or reading my my thoughts in just the world of entertainment and business, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Henry Ong. And if you like to see my quirky humor, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Mr. Henry Ong as the handle. And if you'd like to see me at Clubhouse, but never really talking, you can find me at Henry Ong on there too. So uh, those are the places you can engage with me. Perfect. And yeah, I'll do an extra plug is that uh, if you go to Henry's uh, link, Instagram profile, go to his uh, LinkedIn, the bio, there's a couple other podcasts and uh, live streams that are also really informative as well. But yeah. Again, Henry, it's so good to chat with you and just, you know, take care out there, stay safe, eat well. And, um, uh, you know, I'll see you soon. We'll, we'll catch up. You're here in LA right now, right? Yes, sir. Fuck yes, yeah, sir. Right yes, on. Sir. All right, brother. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you so much, Henry, for coming on this podcast. It's just, you got an amazing story, dude. And I just appreciate all that you do for the community and how much work you've done. Like, you know, you've changed your life around from when you were a kid and doing things. So I know it, it inspires me to do more and I'm sure it inspires a lot of other people. So Thanks, Henry, for coming on. And thanks for the listeners for tuning into this podcast today. I know we had a long PSA and, you know, I'm trying to get people to just eat healthy because at the end of the day, when we're working really hard at these things, we make a lot of mistakes and we, we put it on to others because we get so stressed out and it, it puts it on to other people. It's not healthy. And in this industry, we have to work with other people and work together. So please eat, rest. And if, if we're being real here too, uh, I stopped smoking last night i'm not not for a long time but like 
you know, I stopped smoking weed. It's it's something that I enjoy doing. And because I live alone and I don't have you know, a significant other or anything, you know, I spend that time doing that. And, you know, I work and I work while I do it. I'll write scripts. I'm making a new website. So like, you know, I just spend late nights doing it. But you know what happens is that I get hungry at night. You know, I'll smoke at like 10 o'clock and I'll get hungry. I'll eat snacks. I'll eat like a whole meal. And that's not good for me. That's not good for my body health or anything. Uh, and then I'll I'll wake and still be working until two o'clock in the morning, staring at my screen. Uh, that's not good for my my sleep cycle. It's not good for anything. So, you know, and this I I didn't smoke last night. And yeah, you know, some people will say it's like, you know, I have a bad insomnia or I don't sleep well at night. Well, actually, what I feel like happens usually is that we don't we get so used to smoking at night, and then we we sleep so well. But then when we stop smoking, we you know, as for myself, at least I wake up in the middle of the night, like often I'll just keep waking up and waking up and I feel like I don't get enough sleep but after a few days of not doing, not smoking and getting better sleep. I get so much better sleep. Like, unfortunately it feels like I go to sleep and I immediately wake up, but at the same time I get better sleep. I wake up more refreshed and I don't need to smoke. I make better decisions on my morning routines. I have so much more energy and honestly, the biggest thing that I miss when I, when I do smoke is that I, I don't read, I don't read books because I just, I just, I fill my time with smoking and I can't read, uh, when I do, I just keep, I remember reading like line after line after line, just like, no. So, uh, you know, I read books and stay more quiet. I don't feel like I have to fill my brain with things. So if you are a smoker, like I am, who you know, just enjoys, enjoys the leafy greens, take a break. It's good to take a break. Like, you know, it's, it's not healthy to keep going and I keep telling myself like you need to stop and then I don't, but uh, I'm going to stop. You know, if, if you're, I had a friend who said she was like five days in and I'm like, good for you. You know what? I'm going to do that too. So if this is your call to stop smoking, cool. If you want to keep going, that's cool too. Like it really, you know, it's everybody's preference and I'm just saying it, it's a good time to stop sometimes and just focus on what you want to work on. So that's my other little PSA and close out. But in any case, next week, we're actually going to do, I'm going to do a little interview for myself. I'm going to basically interview myself, not for any, any like self-serving reasons. I don't like to self-serve myself. I, most people don't know about me or what my life's about because I don't talk about myself. I like to upload to help other people and do that. I I really miss uh, speaking with Emmy because, you know, we have this nice back and forth on these podcasts, but you know, I, I, so now I'm just doing it by myself, not to exclude my editor and producer who are working on this as well, but to host this thing, it's kind of hard, but I, I do, um, I think it's, I think people want to hear a little bit about my story. And if you don't, you can skip the episode. That's totally cool too. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to chat about what, what my, what I'm working on, uh, what I'm doing and, uh, you know, maybe I'll do that kind of a semi-weekly thing or something because, I actually heard Jay Shetty do that. And he said it was doing on Fridays and I actually appreciated his podcast episode when he did that. Um, Cause I get to hear about what he's focusing on, what he does and what his life. And, you know, I kind of talked about that in, in this podcast a little more. I'm getting more in the flow of podcasting. I feel like at the beginning it was very, um, you know, staccato. <laughs> like I, it was like a job and I had to do it in a certain way, but now I'm getting more in, into a flow of uh, relaxation and doing that. So I hope that's, I hope the podcast is evolving as you, if anybody who's still listening uh, from the first episodes, this is an evolving podcast. I'm getting more used to it. 
I'm not, it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, <laughs> I, I do it because uh, I want to uplift other people and, and have these conversations, but it also, and it's a lot of stress when I'm, I'm not paid for this. You know, we don't have a whole bunch of listeners. If you're listening now, you're on the, you're on the, the right track, but you know, this podcast is getting picked up. We're going to do a name change pretty soon. I think we do a whole rebranding and I hope people will like that as well, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be different in the next few months. So I hope to share that with you very soon, but thanks again for listening to the strong Asian lead podcast. I'm your host, David Masami Moria. You can find strong Asian lead at, at strong Asian lead underscore at, uh, on Instagram and then strong Asian lead everywhere else. Uh, we didn't get that one handle. And then, uh, you can find me at David Moria, M O R I Y A on all the social media handles. Yeah, and our thanks start again to our podcast editor, uh, Ravi Lod, our podcast producer, Kenan Tanoi, our project manager, Sanjay De Silva, our new social media manager, Ira Rios Del Sol, and uh, Dennis Michael Broussard, who is our camera designer. So thank you so much for everything that you guys are listening to. Thanks for continuing to listen to our podcast. If you listen to the end of this podcast, like right on. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week, and we'll, we'll tune in. Talk to you soon.